You're listening to Traumedy, the podcast that helps you transmute your trauma using comedy. I'm your host, Nancy Norton. I'm a comedian, a registered nurse. As many of you know, I got out of nursing for the same reason a lot of people got into it, to save lives. It's better this way, folks. I love to heal with humor now. I'm a keynote speaker about the power of humor, and humor helps us in so many ways. It gives us resilience, re-energizes us, helps us with creative problem solving, team building, and health. It actually raises your NK cells, natural killer cells, which scan your body for viruses and other problems. So look, man, stay healthy. Keep laughing. Laugh as often as possible. Take a humor break. Every hour, take a humor break. This week's episode deals with a lot of childhood stresses uh, with somebody who seems very unstressed. Pretty chill guy. Uh, Really a testimonial to perspective. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode and thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week is George Delgado. And George is a comedian, and we met up at the Rapid City Comedy Festival in South Dakota. Obviously, South Dakota, I suppose. Is there any other Rapid City? <laughs> I do not think so. Sherrod <laughs> kept saying Grand Rapids. He did. <laughs> we were up there. He's like, yeah, we're in Grand Rapids. I mean, it's not, it's that, not Grand Rapids. <laughs> that's Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I at least knew that much. And it was such a treat to see you up there. And that was just what? This summer. So we, yeah. we really don't know each other. So this is an opportunity for me to get to know you better. Well, how long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, I'll be, it'll be 10 years next year. Con- uh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I started in Corpus. So it was very one mic a week. Thing. Oh, down in Texas? Yeah. Corpus yeah. Christi? Corpus Christi, Texas. Yep. Yeah. One mic a week. And then I got a lot of stage time on the weekend just because there wasn't a lot of comedians. I would show up and they're, hey, we need a host. I'm like, okay. So I just host. <laughs> was there something that just prompted you into stand up? That was there a moment? No, it, it, it completely happened by accident. I was with, this is a weird turnaround, but I got into comedy because of uh, my church life, which I'm not part of anymore. But when I became a senior in high school, I started going to church with my best friend, did all this stuff. And then I worked at this church camp. I worked with this guy. And he was like, hey, I'm moving to Corpus after the summer. Do you want to go with me? I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, sure. And then one of my other roommates went with us. And he got connected with this thing called the Baptist Student Ministries. And that's where I met my buddy Nick. And we were doing a Bible study one night. He's like, hey, I'm going to this open mic. Do you want to go? I'm like, sure, I'll go with you to an open mic. I was like, I want to see comedy. Sure. Weird open mic, obviously. It's a Thursday <laughs> night, not, not a big city. And then the next week I went with him again. He said, you want to go again? I was like, sure. And then he was like, uh, uh, I was like hanging out with the other comedians. And I was like, oh, these guys are cool. They, like, hey, you should sign up. I was like, sure, why not? And I just put my name on the list. And then. And you just went up and, yeah. and just riffed? Yeah. Just whatever came to the top of my head. Was Do you remember anything that came that night? Like. I, I remember talking about a joke about my, I, I don't know. I was just telling a story about how my cousin got so in trouble so bad that my grandma had to drive into San Antonio to go give him an ass whooping. His mom (laughs) (laughs) is ineffective at it. So I was telling that joke and how before my grandma got in the car, I told her grandma, uh, make sure you pull down his pants because he's going to be wearing multiple 
uh, pairs. Oh. And sure enough, two hours later, he calls me crying. And he's like, oh, Grandpa pulled down my pants. And he was like, I was wearing five pairs of underwear, three pairs of shorts. And <laughs> because I told her, Dude, it was a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> you're a traitor, man. I know. I just, he, but it was, he, he pissed me off a lot. <laughs> he deserved it. Revenge. By, yeah. Revenge by way of grandma. Yeah. That's hilarious. So that's the only thing I remember from doing Santa for the first time. <laughs> and that was your cousin? My cousin, yeah. That was your cousin. And yeah. you, are you guys still friends? We're, or yeah, we're, we're friends. Friendly? I mean, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we're, we're, he, ever since like our grandma passed in the holidays are all different. So we hardly see each other as uh, often anymore. Yeah. But that, I mean, we're still cool. He, he, we actually have the same birthday a year apart. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. One year apart. Yeah. So that's, there's something about those same birthdays. Yeah. That's that's interesting. But yeah, but that's the only story I remember from telling about that's the first little, time I stayed. No, yeah. that's really funny. Yeah. So today, what you know, I was telling you about the podcast and how I'm studying therapeutic humor and helping people cope with their trauma. Using humor, of course, it's not a replacement for trauma therapy. We say that every time. Yep. <laughs> Still do your trauma therapy. Have all your feelings, you know, have the grief and all the rage and frustration or whatever you need to have, but then, you know, to help you move out of that state of powerlessness that trauma often causes humor, humor kind of uplifts us. Do you have any examples in your life that humor has helped you through? I don't know. I I feel like I just joke about everything. And like, I tell people, I'm like, because there's times where I shouldn't be laughing, but I laugh a lot. Like my girlfriend, for example, if we're watching, if I'm watching something and there's something sad happening on TV, I often laugh at it. And she's like, "What is wrong with him?" It's like I, I don't know. Like it's just, I'm like, I like to see people suffer too. I guess <laughs> it's, but also like I don't know. When, when we laugh at things, I think you take the the power away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it can't hurt you if it's belittled. You know? Right. So maybe it's like okay, I'd rather laugh than cry. Yeah. And especially in this. And maybe when you're watching this show and something really sad happens, you're just like, I can't, maybe there's a part of you uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that that might be it too. Cause I can kind of feel that. Like when I laugh at something that, especially it's, if it's make believe it's okay. Like what, but what about in real life? You ever see something like, do you ever get in trouble laughing at a funeral or laughing? Oh yeah. I got, (laughs) I actually got, I, I got, I got in trouble for making a joke at my grandma's funeral uh, it wasn't at the funeral. We all went to dinner after, or we went to lunch afterwards, and everybody was like, oh, you do sound like all my grandma's tias, and everybody was like, oh, tell me a joke, tell me a joke, and I was like, no, 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 that's not how it works, and then it was a Catholic funeral, and so we are like, oh, and the food came there, oh, let us pray. I was like, we just pray for two hours back there. We're going to pray now? <laughs> and they are like, now not the time for jokes. I'm like, now is not the time. I was making, you were wanting me to take a joke this whole time. <laughs> you know? Come on, you guys. You wanna, yeah, make up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> because there is, I, I have heard so many people talk about taking out uh exactly the tension of a mm-hmm. of of mourning because obviously you're all in mourning but to have this moment of like hey let's just take the tension out for just a second yeah i remember a, a guy i was interviewing on a zoom uh show once and he he was a nurse and he had a funeral it was his brother so it was an untimely death of a young man in their family and they had a huge family and after the funeral they were sitting at this big booth one of those big like corner mm-hmm. booths and they just barely fit in there. And he, he cracked a joke, which is, Oh man, I'm glad John isn't here. <laughs> yeah, the dead brother. Yeah. And he said it was actually exactly what they needed, yeah. but I guess it depends on the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We get shamed a lot as comedians yeah. and we're, we're doing a service. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like my brother and I, uh, especially like when our dad passed last year, I think we spent, like we were obviously sad, but I think we talked about all like the funny things my dad would do. 
And that helped it a lot more. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I also didn't help that my dad was really old and going through dementia and stuff like that. So we're like, oh, like we, I feel like we were already prepared for his passing for years. Yeah. It was always like, here's going to happen. Here's going to happen. And it never would. And then when it finally happened, I'm like, oh, now it happens. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a part of you that is relieved and another part that finality is heavy, man. Yeah. So you guys are, yeah, that's good. You made some jokes about yeah. something. Did anything come to mind about one of the funny things he does? Uh. <laughs> We, we would talk about how with his dementia, how we kept just putting on the same show because he would just forget. Yeah. And he liked, he liked Bigfoot stuff and he'd always get excited. He'd always come with, Hey, look, they're finding Bigfoot. They're going to find it. Like, okay, dad, we'll get in there. And it's just the same episode on DVR over and over. And he would just come in excited every single time. Man, I, there's something to dementia that there's a blessing to it. Yeah, you know what? They're actually happy. They seem content as long as we're not confronting them. And when I was in nursing school, we were taught not to confront people about like, oh, that you know. Sometimes you can remind them of what's going on, but yeah. hey, if there's no harm in it, watch it again and be surprised. And why not? Yeah, yeah. You know? I had my grandmother. We this my grandmother had dementia, and when we were all sitting around one night eating her favorite ice cream, pralines and cream mm-hmm. ice cream. And she would take a bite and go, mmm, this ice cream sure is good. It's kind of nutty. Just like you, Nancy. And and, and it's like, and, you know, she still knew me. She still knew I'm silly. We had this mm. silly relationship. And then she chuckled and everybody chuckled. Then like two minutes later, she would say it again. This ice cream sure is good. It's kind of nutty. Just like you, Nancy. <laughs> and then we laughed. And I think the third time she did it, this ice cream sure is good. And then... It's kind of nutty. And then my sister goes, just like you, Nancy. And my grandma goes, that's what I was going (laughs) to say. And it was was just an acknowledgement without really like shaming or, you know, making her super uncomfortable. I I mean, there are different times where, because I had to take care of my dad for a bit. Uh, We all take turns like living with my dad uh, because my mom was in prison. Uh, And so we have to be my dad's caretaker. And so my dad would go into fits a lot. And so we weren't always the best with like not being combative, you know, uh, like a fit being, he, he's like defiant and saying, yeah, he doesn't believe, he didn't believe what we were telling him. Right. You know, and like, my, like we didn't want to tell him like, Oh, mom's in jail again. We'd be like, Oh no, she's visiting her sister at the hospital. And he oh. would usually go, but some, sometimes it wouldn't. And so he would go into fits of rage and for being an old guy, he was strong. Oh, don't underestimate yeah. the old guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there were times where, where him and I, or him and my brother also would also get into fist fights and he's, you know, we're, we have more weight on, but he's like hitting us. I was like, geez, dad, like calm down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a tough one, isn't it? When you're yeah. trying to gently restrain the elderly. Yeah. I mean, that is, I've had, I have, I have scars on my upper arm. I don't know if you could still see them, but I used to have these fingernail marks. Oh, see, I went away from my uh-huh. microphone. <laughs> I used to have these fingernail marks from this is, I mean, this is like nursing stories, mm. but I, I was, I was on the North shore of Oahu. I had one catheter kit in my trunk. This guy had pulled his catheter out of his penis mm-hmm. with the balloon inflated. I don't know if you're familiar with yes. the Foley catheters, yep. but he had hurt himself, but he needed to get recatheterized. Yeah. And I'm there and his wife's there and I'm, I got a hold of it. I got a hold of his junk man and i'm like advancing and i i mean i'm really good at it i would i put a lot of lubricant in there yeah. i'll probably edit this out i'm realizing as i'm saying it and i'm you know i'm advancing but you, you get to that tender place and he grabbed my arm 
And I had, I mean, I had a hold of his stuff. He had a hold of my arm. And But there's this nursing mentality where the show must go on. Like, yeah. I only have one catheter. His bladder is so full, it could rupture. So I just, I just kept going. Yeah. You know, I got it done. But, yeah, I, I ended up with these... <laughs> You know, and oh, I, this is the funny part. I always said it was like ET. You ever see the movie ET? Yeah. When he they find each other in the in the field. Yeah. And they scare each other. Yeah. Our, that's how our faces were. <laughs> that's how our faces were with this guy. His face was screaming at me, and I was screaming at him like ah! <laughs> it was just this. But anyway. Yeah. So your dad, yeah, that must have been rough though. And your mom in jail. I mean, I gotta ask. Uh, do you do any jokes about your mom? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think I joke more about my mom than I do my dad because my mom was a heroin addict. Still is currently still using. I'm pretty sure. Are you uh, Are you not in touch with her? I, I I am, but I, I we we talk, but I try not to. I, I try not to worry anymore because it's like after oh so many years they 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 just don't listen. You know what I mean? And you can only do so much. And she's been rejected from rehabs and stuff, so it just doesn't yeah work out. And especially like that now that she's getting money from my dad's passing because my dad was like 100 percent 100 percent service connected disability. Uh, through the VA, so he was getting lots of money, and so now like his retirement and all that stuff is going to her, and so now she's just having a influx of money where she could do whatever she wants. I see. Already. And addiction is so hard. Yeah, well, a loved one with addiction—that's that's one of the hardest, most I, to me. I've never felt more powerless in my life than loving someone who's addicted to something that's so, like that could be lethal. You know, yeah. um, that's something you've had to live with a long time. Yeah. Uh, and so I go like, so like, like one of my jokes that I have is about my mom, uh, where the joke goes like, oh, you know, just how I'm an overshare. And my teacher's like, oh, Hey George, how was your weekend? I reply with, I saw my mom cook her medicine in a spoon, you know? And it's like, so like the innocence of a child, but like everybody gets kind of quiet. And I was like, it's a heroin joke. Like, it's fine. <laughs> the know? audience just like is listening and like, is that, but that is the punchline. Yeah. I, I watched my mama cooking medicine in yeah. a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then did that happen when you were a little kid? Uh, I remember seeing spoons and I, I remember seeing needles everywhere. Uh, and so that's like what I remember the most. Yeah. Uh, and then I never, I did have one joke about how cops raided our house. And I do remember that. That was a very vivid memory. Uh, and I remember I thought it was because of the drugs, but it turns out I think she was writing hot checks. And ah. so they tracked her down. And so they were taking all the stuff that was in the house that was bought with like the money that she uh, forged or whatever, however hot checks work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember them taking all this stuff. And my joke that I have about that is, you know, I was more upset that they took my Nintendo 64 than I was that they took my mom. I was like, mom will be back. I'm never getting a Nintendo 64 again. <laughs> you know, but I, I do remember when that happened. Cause I remember playing outside and then I remember just a bunch of cops showing up and I remember there was a cop on our porch and I was like, and he wouldn't let me inside. I remember I ran underneath his legs and I went inside. Wow. That's how uh, small you were. Yeah. You yeah, were probably three or four. Yeah. Like three or four if you went under his legs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you, 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 do, you tricked the cop. Yeah. Yeah. And I got inside <laughs> and I just remember them taking all our stuff. Oh uh, man. That had to have been terrifying, especially if it was your Nintendo 64. Yeah. <laughs> it took everything. I remember my grandpa was living with us at the time too. My step grandpa, my mom, my grandma remarried. He was pretty much my real grandpa. I never met my mom's dad. Uh, but I remember he was fighting with the cops because they were trying to take his TV. He was like, I bought this shit with my money. <laughs> like, don't take it. Yeah. You know? Did he Did he win I, that argument? I think, yeah, I think he won it. <laughs> Man, that's so... I hadn't thought of that. Like, if you're cohabitating with somebody... Yeah, and they, and they could take in, all, all the stuff in yeah, the house. Yeah. And then your... So your mom's mom uh, was there and your step-grandpa, your yeah. grandpa. And then it... Did your... So this is about... 
trauma and traumedy and obviously we know that a lot of people get onto self-medication with yeah. heroin or any of the drugs from having this trauma you know that she may have had a trauma yeah. that she didn't want to face or couldn't face yeah. or just escaped and then got into the trappings of all the addiction yeah. and then you're here as a kind of collateral damage yeah. of trauma in a way. I mean, well, I, I definitely think my mom also, cause my grandma was also a drug dealer and addict what? as well. Wait a minute. Your grandma what, before, whenever, before I was born, at least when I could tell when before, before all my cousins were, my grandma also spent time in prison and, oh. and was dealing drugs and stuff wow. as well. Well, where do you think this started? I mean, I'm really, I find in my, well, medicinal psychedelic, therapy I'm doing. I'm really getting this spiritual and I don't know. I don't know if it's spiritual. It could just be on the DNA ancestral trauma mm -hmm. that yeah. comes from generations yeah. of trauma. And do you have a sense of that? Was there ancestral I, trauma? I, I, I don't, I think it just has to do with poverty. I mean, it was San Antonio in the fifties and sixties and forties. Yeah. You know, I, my grandma was one of 12 or 13. Oh, and they used to travel around the United States and work at different fields and farmlands. Uh, and so I know there wasn't a lot of money. So obviously the easy thing to do is drugs. Yeah. You know, sell and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's really about needing the money. Yeah. And, and then a lot yeah. of people get addicted. So it's my grandma being in prison for doing, for selling drugs and stuff. My my mom's dad also abandoned them and had another family. Uh, and then my mom also had a brother who was killed uh, on the day of my Thea's wedding. Uh -huh. uh, from what I understand, I might be getting this wrong, but I know that they, he was, I think they might've been robbing him for his motorcycle or something like that. But he was like the, they're one of two brothers that they had. And so I never got to meet him. So I know like they, they had a rough childhood. And so that kind of just like cycles. Yeah. No kidding. You and know. whose wedding day it was? I think my Thea, uh, my Thea Cecilia. So okay. my mom's sister. Oh, yeah. your mom's sister. Yeah, it was there. She was, it's my Thea Virginia, my Thea Cece, my Thea Carrie Joe, my mom, and it was my Theo Paul. And then, uh, man, I, I feel so bad. I think his name was Michael. He, he was the one that was, was killed. My Theo Paul's still alive. Here's my ignorance. Yeah. I don't know the term Thea. Uh, aunt. Aunt. Yeah. And that's Spanish? Yeah, that's Spanish. And so is your family uh mostly Mexican yeah. or and, yeah, yeah. and do you have do you have family uh in Mexico too or not that I know of. Uh I I always tell people they're like, Oh, where are you from? I like, oh Texas. Like, yeah, yeah, but where's your family from? Texas. No, but where's it from? Like, Texas. Like I don't know. Like it's far back as Texas I can remember. Yeah. You probably know? a lot longer than a lot of uh white people. Yeah. You know, because look at we're in the state of Colorado, which is a Spanish word. Yeah. Right. The color red. Yeah. That's all I know of Spanish. Obviously, <laughs> I didn't know what the Thea was. Thea. Yeah. Is that my yeah, Thea? Thea. Yeah. Oh, Thea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Thea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you pronounce it Thea, not. Oh, you, you know say I mean? it Thea, but it's spelled T I A. Yeah. 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 I didn't. I. I didn't. I never said. I took French for like three quarters of a, <laughs> a semester, yeah. and then I got kicked out. And I studied a little bit in Nepali, and then I think in second grade we had a teacher who spoke some Spanish, and I learned. Yeah. Just greetings. I, I, I almost felt, I almost didn't graduate high school because I failed Spanish. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. George Delgado yeah. fails Spanish. Yeah. No, you got a D. What did you get, a D? I think I got a, yeah. It was, it was close. I think I had to take Spanish twice. And then Spanish too. They're like, you need to take a second one. I was like, I really don't want to. They're is, like, you need to. Is there pressure? There must be pressure on you to have a name, Delgado. Yeah. And, 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 and like, I'm Texan, you know? And yeah. so 
do you this expectation yeah. from people? Do you have that? Do you yeah. have to deal with that a lot? Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, cultural identity uh, issues that people have. It's like, well, you're not Latino enough if you don't know Spanish and stuff like that. And it's just a whole thing. Yeah, uh, that's a rough thing, huh? When you're in that limbo. My son's, you know, he's Nepali, you know, grew up in a white family. Mm-hmm. And then I remember in second grade, they made these masks where it was like, here's who you are on the inside and who's, here's who you are on the outside. And so on the inside, he painted, he always wanted to be from Scotland. Uh-huh. I don't know what it was, but he, he did like the- he watched Braveheart. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. so. I don't remember, but he did like a, the British flag on the inside of his mask and on the outside he painted it brown. And it was just like, okay, that's, that's interesting how you feel on the inside, how you present. And also with gender, a similar thing. Yeah. People talk about, I'm learning a lot about yeah, yeah. how we present to the world, how, how we identify inside. These are not always the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I I, don't, I think it's just where I come from because I'm from Texas where people are like, oh, like, what are you on? I'm like, oh, I'm a Texan. And that's like, that's all I could say. Like, yeah. It's like technically I'm Mexican. I had that joke about being, you know, identifies indigenous. It's like, which I didn't really get into until the last few years and doing a DNA test and then realizing, oh, yeah, Mexicans are indigenous, you know, which is the whole Spanish colonization and stuff like that. But yeah, but being being Mexican, there's a lot of identity issues where it's like, if you're, you're not Mexican enough, if you don't know this, you're also not American enough because you're this, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, internal fighting like, Oh, just cause your Mexicans make food this way. That's not the right way. It's like, well, your way is not the right way compared to the way we make it. And there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a lot of fighting and you're never good enough or you're never enough. How does that feel for you as in general? Has- I, I try not to think about it. I don't know. I, I have a lot of turmoil, on how I identify, like, obviously like I say I'm Mexican, like, cause it's just culturally, that's what I grew up with. You know, like growing up, we listened to George Lopez yeah, <laughs> and all the, like his jokes. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like my family, you know? And yeah. so it's like, okay. So that's what like I identify with a lot. But as of lately, it's like, like I don't know. Which is Mexican American. Yeah. George Lopez. So that's, yeah, that, he, yeah, that's yeah. an, adi- that is an identity, yeah. right? Mexican-American. Because, because he doesn't, he doesn't like the term Hispanic. He doesn't take in the term. He doesn't like that word. Uh, some people don't like being considered Latin. There's a new term Latinx now, which is like non-binary, which is weird because it's like you're just adding X to the end of Latin. Like you could just say Latin. Like because like the, the whole Latino. Yeah, why add the X? Yeah, yeah. And so there's people arguing over that now. Just, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm we like, got to have an argument, man. Yeah, I know. There's got to be tension. Yeah. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Yeah. I don't know. And then like California Mexicans versus Texas Mexicans versus New Mexico Mexicans versus Arizona versus Mexico. And it's just, it's a lot. Yeah. Do you do any bits about this? Uh, I've been trying to a little bit. Uh, I've been trying to do a new bit where I'm talking about how like being Mexican is hard. It's like I'm not indigenous enough. For the indigenous community, I'm not Mexican enough for the Mexican community. I'm just like, yes, white people, what they are. They're just like, I'm white. I was like, well, ain't that nice? <laughs> like, yeah. It must be easy, you know? Because because most white most Americans don't identify with what their heritage is. Like yeah. white. Yeah, you're right. We you know? and, and what is this whole thing about white? And do, would would it ever be appropriate for people to go, I'm brown, you know, like, okay, I'm brown, you're white. And neither one of us are really like that's, I don't know. I saw that Instagram reel with yeah. that little girl going, I'm not white. I'm peach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what, you know, is it necessary? You know, is yeah. it necessary for us to break down like that? Now you did the DNA test. Yeah. Now, what did you find out about indigenous? Like, are you we're, from we're, Mayan or? No, uh, it says all, all it said was South Texas. Uh, so native American from South Texas. Native is, American. Yes. So, so technically Mayan is Aztecs. There's, Oh, 
whole hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tribes that were in Mexico and Central America that became Mexicans. And there's even tribes now there still that were never colonized or they don't identify because you have the mestizos, which means you're you don't identify as your Mexican or your or your Spanish or your indigenous. Eye. You're just there. And so ours was from South Texas, but it doesn't tell you what. It doesn't say which tribe. Yeah. And w- when I looked into it, it says uh, the biggest tribe was Cahuillacatan. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing it right, which was not a real tribe. It's what they identified all the tribes in South Texas as under one. So there's Comanche. There's hundreds of tribes all under one name. But Cahuillacatan doesn't, they just got state recognition in Texas. Uh, and so now I think they're trying to fight to get something better, you know? Yeah. To that, that yeah. speaks more from the point of view of the indigenous person, yeah. as opposed to getting categorized from the outside. Yeah. I always fantasize about how to make it right. Like, you know, people talk about reparations for African-Americans and, but what about the indigenous people? I mean, we took this land, we took it. And it's like, well, how can we make it right at this point? Give it back. How do we do it? I've had this fantasy of like, what if we started a whole thing where, where people willed their property? Of course, when I do, when I say this, I'm like, yeah, after I'm done using my house, yeah, yeah. you know, when I die, but you know, like that's not much of a sacrifice. Yeah. I think the cool thing would be like, if I did it now yeah, and then go here. And the, the, the issue with, with Texas and like the Mexican community is that not a lot of Mexicans identify as indigenous, even though they are because they're so wrapped up in Mexican culture. Cause it's just been around for so long, which Mexican culture is just a mix of indigenous culture and Spanish. Now, like where there's programs like, like I know the metropolitan, the university here, if you're enrolled like if in a tribe, you get free college. And it's like, but the problem is in South Texas, it's like these people, we don't have a tribe that we can enroll in or know what we are. Cause we're just so mixed in. Can you take advantage of that? Can you, are you interested in getting I, I mean, free sure. college? I, I'm about to take free college through my, through my job, but uh, it's only just cause they want us to work for them. <laughs> so you're working. You just told me, I mean, you yeah. work so many hours, you work 60 hours a week, sometimes yeah. more. Yeah. And so you're actually, it's not like if that's a benefit of your, all the hard work you're doing. Yeah. If, if I could take advantage of something where I could go to school full time through somewhere else and sure, but it's, it, it'd be very hard. It's the, the whole identity issues with South Texas is just, it's too far. To, it's too much to comprehend. And that's why I try not to think about it sometimes, even though it's what keeps me up at night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot. And it also doesn't help that, like, identity politics is big nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like, you, if you're brown or you're this, you have to vote this way. And if you're not, if you vote that way, then you're a traitor to your kind. And I'm just like, I'm trying to be me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm just myself. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be put into a category. You know, as 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 nice as it would be to know where I'm from culturally, like I like I have my Mexican heritage that I, I cling on to, you know, my foods and everything else that I know of. But also like growing up, like we didn't have we didn't celebrate like uh Day of the Dead or anything like that. You know what I mean? We were just but we were still Mexican, you know? I don't know yeah. how to explain it. It's just so there's just so many facets of it that like it's it's so hard to comprehend sometimes well and like you said it 
most of uh, Caucasian people, we've, you know, I don't celebrate Boxing Day or whatever they do, you know, in England, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. or I've lost whatever Irish festivals. I don't know. I don't, or I don't do the Scottish, what, throw the big uh, telephone pole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Highland. The Scottish games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of us have lost, you have bits and pieces yeah. that come through and every generation kind of waters it down and then reclaims it. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm curious too, like, I remember seeing this. I think it was in the seventies. Time magazine did a composite of the person of the future, mm-hmm. which was a a beautiful brown person, and and it was like this is the future of the world, the melting pot yeah. globally. But then I know we all go back and forth where we hate losing the culture. But then I don't know. Yeah. What, do you think it would be better? Do, what is your opinion? Do you think it would be better if we all just sort of became one, like I think earthlings? Everybody should do as they please. Just don't don't get upset when people do something different. You know, mm. like if you want to marry, if you're Mexican, you want to marry a Mexican lady and keep the tradition. That's great, but don't get mad if you know a Mexican lady is interested in dating white guys and settling down and not carrying on the same traditions that your family would. You know, yeah. Just I'm, don't put your stuff on other people. Yeah. That's that's uh, live and let thing. live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Live and let live. Essentially, just just do as you please. Just don't care. Just don't be bothered that people do it because then it's just like you're not benefiting anybody. You're kind of holding everybody back at that point. You know. Yeah, I like it. I think <laughs> I like it, but I'm very judgmental and like to tell people what to do. I think everyone should do the way I do. Yeah. But uh, it turns out it's not for the highest good. Yeah. It's, it's good. I mean, it does take all kinds. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. What else is like going on for you? Anything that you want to share in terms of things that are tickling your, your, like what's tickling your funny bone these days that maybe has a root in trauma, you know, something in your act. I, I mean, I love, I, I love watching you up at uh, Rapid City. You nailed that show that you did at the big theater. And I was yeah. glad to hear that you had family there Yeah, yeah, and, and that they got there. to see you yeah. in a good, you know, cause sometimes comedy festivals, you never know what venue you get. Yeah. Like I I've done them where, Oh, I'm on at five o'clock in the afternoon at this little dive bar. And there's going to be a few, you just never know. Yeah. So it's cool that you got to yeah, be yeah. at the, uh, the, the bigger theater. Yeah. Yeah. No, a, that was great. Yeah. Have a killer set. Me there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like this it, I, was like, I know I have trauma, but it sounds arrogant where I'm like, it doesn't affect, I, I know it affects me some way. I've just never been able to dissect it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, like all my stuff with my mom, I think like me and my brother and my sister all took it very differently where my, my brother tried up until recently, he tried very hard to like cling on to my mom and like trying to get her to change and stuff. And it didn't help that she also got him into drugs and stuff like that too. And then my sister was always very like, my sister's always very combative with my mom and I was always just very passive. Like you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm kind of out of it at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just accepted it. Yeah. I'm just like, I love you. I'll see you when I see you. I care about you. I'll call you right now and then, but I'm not going to sit here and beg you to stop doing drugs anymore. Cause it's just, it's wasting my time. I don't want to spend the one time I call you a week yelling at you cause you're high again, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Good my sister, yeah. And my sister's still trying to, my sister's combative with her. My sister helps her the most. My sister's helping get financials and everything in order because just because she's closest there. But my brother benefited the most from he just moved out here last year. So seeing him grow now is a lot. And he's matured a lot in his words, too. Uh, Oh, that's cool. Are you the older brother? uh, I'm the youngest. You're the baby of the family? Yeah, my brother's the oldest and my sister and then me. But there's something in you I feel like 
you have more wisdom in a way, even though you're the youngest, it seems like, because you've got that. Yeah, I, I don't know. My, my brother was always, also, I think my brother <laughs> was not trying to stop me. Me and my brother, my, my brother-in-law were like, I think Bloss has Asperger's. He's just un diagnosed because like we were like looking it up like why he acts and literally like every point for point it matches up with my brother okay yeah so and, you you see that he's on the spectrum yeah and I, then, I think he's definitely on the spectrum oh then that gives you that i i you know i have another friend of ours who came out recently on stage saying he's on the spectrum and all of a sudden when he said that everything made sense yeah like it really helped me understand him better and feel safer emotionally and everything because i was always kind of wondering like yeah. my guilty uh character flaw is i take things personally yeah and it was you know what i mean yeah. sometimes if there's not that rapport it's not about me yeah it's you know <laughs> like i have to get over myself yeah. and yeah. it really did it was like oh i actually really found myself expanding did that yeah. help you with your brother yeah and 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 i also i've always looked at my brother differently because i know whenever he was younger they put him in like special ed classes and stuff like that and then they always kind of like put him off to the side. And it was like before, cause he's like 32 now. And it was like kind of before, like they knew more about the spectrum and what it was. So he never got the care or the attention that he needed to be able to focus. But cause I, I tell people, I'm just like, like he thinks he's dumb. I'm just like, boss, you're very smart. Like he's very smart. He'll talk to my ear off about all kinds of things. And he's able to like hyper-focus on things and he like really gets into it. And I'm just like, you just got to find, know how to channel that into what you want to do. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people write him off just because he's a little bit quirky. Yeah. And if they get that identity, like you said, at a very early age, well, although there's something wrong with me and that becomes your identity, like you're in special ed classes, which, you know, has a stigma. And then I have dyslexia. I've never been diagnosed, but I just I cannot read when I'm under pressure, especially like going around the classroom Mm -hmm. reading. I was always panicking, like trying to read ahead so that I didn't sound like an (laughs) idiot when I was reading. But you do start getting this identity, like maybe I am an idiot. I can't read with fluency like other kids can. It it really messes with your self-esteem. Yeah, I I used to read to him before he learned how to read. I learned how to read before he did. And he wanted me to read him the Aragon books. But I was I kept losing patience. And so he learned how to read better just because I didn't want to do it anymore. But he's he's very like he's also one of the funniest people that I know. Like <laughs> if he knew but he's unintentionally funny. He's he just did, so authentic. Yeah. And I'm just like I he talks about like doing comedy. I'm just like, if you could figure out how to channel how much you make me laugh, I mean you would crush every set because he's just so like he says just some of the funniest things, you know. There's a lot of comics coming up right now who are out and saying they're on the spectrum and talking about stimming and talking about different things and just being who they are and showing their, I don't know, man, it's really cool. Yeah. In TikTok, I have to say, I learned so much. My son and I both have ADHD and we are all kinds of stuff you can watch on TikTok. It just evens the field a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. I'm yeah. glad to hear your brother's doing better. Yeah, because yeah, he he he's also like learning how to get off of alcohol right now. Uh, and my dad was an alcoholic because my dad was he, my dad was a Vietnam guy, and okay. so coming back he just like drank. But speaking of trauma, my dad broke generational trauma. Like we talking like my brothers and stuff like his brothers. Uh, my grandpa, you know, my dad, my 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 grandpa was in the Air Force for a career. And my dad lived with him and my grandpa was very like harsh. He never said, I loved you. He was kind of like, I remember my brother told me that my, my mom was saying that one time my dad was crying 
and try to like hug his dad, my grandpa. And my grandpa just like pushed him away. He's like, get, get yourself together, George. You know, and it's like, Ugh. yeah, just like that kind of like old, just very rough. He, because yeah. he didn't know how to, you know what I mean? He couldn't understand. Yeah. Well, my mom did that to me. Uh, uh, she had some issues with uh, intimacy and that threw her into a rage one time when I was like, mom, I just want to feel your heart. And I tried yeah. to hug her and like, no. I was like, oh, yeah. And, and I don't know what it is. Like, there, maybe it's just there's some trauma in them. It's like they, they wall off all the feelings. Yeah. Like, if like I they, feel they, this. They, they didn't get it from their parents. So it just kind of, and they don't know how to process it, you know? Yeah. And so my dad, you know, my dad went to, my dad was like kind of the black sheep. Like, all my uncles, they're all like pretty successful, like coaches. And they're all in the military as well. And my dad was the hippie. Like, you see, like, like, <laughs> holiday photos they're all wearing button ups my dad wearing a flannel long hair mustache like you know yeah and my dad was a, a biker for a long time uh but my dad he was never he never ever he never hit us he hit me once i think we woke him up and he was like but he it was he, he felt bad about it but he, my dad also always told us i love you guys he he would never hold it back he let us know all the time uh, so you felt that yeah you felt loved and yeah. you knew you were loved yeah and yet he probably had PTSD yeah. from Vietnam. Is that when he, maybe he, he woke up and he was in a PTSD uh, response or something? Uh, I don't know if he never displayed it, but I, I don't, I never really saw it affect him only whenever like we would try to go to church sometimes. And he would always just want to sit in the back with his head down. And I know my, my mom told my brother that one time my dad was looking at my brother play my dad started crying because it reminded me of the kids that he had maybe dealt with in, in Vietnam. You know, cause my dad went, my dad dropped out <laughs> too early from high school, like be right before he turned 18 and he had his parents sign for him. And so he went and volunteered. And so he did two years. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know why he volunteered. I don't know if it was just like what my, maybe like my grandpa was in his ear, but my dad's brothers were all in the military, but they were, one of them went the officer route. One of them, one only one of them was in, also in combat. And Ugh. but my dad was like the, he 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 was a, a gunner on a helicopter, Ugh. so he dealt with a lot. You oh know? no! And you know he, uh, like you said, uh, children. Yeah. I mean, I've heard from other Vietnam vets that have had to kill children, and uh, in villages, you know, like sometimes a kid might run, walk up at two years and you don't know, do they, cause they'll put a grenade yeah. in the kid's hand and have them walk into the, yeah. where the troops are. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know what the context was. And I, I know he was shot down like three times and, and stuff. so he went through a lot and he was, yeah. and he was barely even 20, you know, yeah, which is crazy. To it me. is crazy too. I know my son is 19 and I think about I think about that, like these kids going over to Vietnam at 18, 19, yeah. 20. They're kids. They're still kids. Your mind, your brain's not fully developed until yeah. you're like 26, 28, somewhere in there. Yeah, so my, my dad was a door gunner, but he, he was also a mechanic. My dad was gifted at mechanics. Like he, my dad could fix an engine like nobody's business, uh, which I wish I could have learned from him. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but by the time he would... We were, my, my dad is older, so my dad had me when he was like 43 or something like that. But yeah, my dad was a gifted mechanic. Uh. And so, but yeah, he, he broke generational trauma. Like he didn't process it the best way, like, but he, he made sure not to repeat the things that his dad did, you know. Well, what's his name? My dad's name is George. Hey, is you, oh, that's yeah. right. You said yes. George. Yeah. You, your namesake. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh. I have my dad's first name. My brother has my dad's middle name. I gotcha. Well, hats off to your dad. He, I mean, that's the thing I'm learning as I'm going through my trauma therapy. And it, 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 it's hard to say it, but everyone is doing their best. And anyone that breaks generational trauma 
I mean, I just am so grateful. Yeah. Everybody's trying to get their yeah. needs met the best they can. It's, it's like in the last like ten, 10 years is where I've kind of changed a lot of ideas about my mom and kind of just stopped being so angry at her. For Good things. for you because that's just toxic for you. Yeah. I mean, that is true. What is it? Resentment uh, is like eating the poison. Oh, oh, eating, hoping, yeah, eating, eating the poison, poison and, and hoping, hoping the enemy kill, dies. Yeah. <laughs> there is, yeah. So it's good for you that you're just like, okay, that everybody live and let live. She's doing her best. You're going to take care of yourself. And yeah. Also, you're so busy working all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then tonight you're doing uh, new faces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for that. That's exciting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for, what for jokes you. I want to do. <laughs> What's that? I'm, try- I'm trying to debate what jokes I want to do right now. Yeah. Let, uh, let, let's go through your set yeah, list. Yeah. Well, my, so I mean, speaking like my mom, I remember I told her, I have a joke about whenever like my mom ran from the cops and took me with her. I remember I, I told her about that and she started crying because she's like, you remember that? I'm like, yeah, I remember that. And I was like, oh man, I hope you never come see me do comedy now. <laughs> You're just going to cry the whole time. She has not seen your comedy. Yeah, no. No. She never has, yeah. It's not that I don't want her to. I just don't know if she could handle it. You can't you handle know? the truth, mom. Yeah. And, and, and it also made me think about whether or not I should do it. But at the end of the day, I was like, it's my experiences with what whether or not I want to talk about it that's right you know and i have gone through this with my mom as Mm. well who she has passed on she never came to a comedy show in 30 years one day she started watching it on youtube and she goes yeah i was looking up i was watching old carol burnett or you know old Uh comedians and i thought i wonder if nancy has anything on youtube and i was like did you watch it she said yeah and i go did you watch this part about you because i do these jokes you know about my mom being like sing song voice and not really wanting to feel like, mm-hmm. how are you? Don't tell me your real feelings. Yeah. Let's keep it <laughs> yeah, here yeah. up. Okay. But she said, Oh, I skipped over that part. So I don't know. We <laughs> never really talked about yeah. that. It was sort of like the unspoken thing, but maybe on some level she knew, uh, she kind of knew that I, yeah, that yeah. probably I'm processing my yeah. childhood. I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's pretty classic of comics to yeah. process their life. As part of their act. Yeah. The- so I have stuff on YouTube. I know one of my mom's best friends saw it. So I don't know if he showed her. And I don't know what jo- what video it was either. Because I, I keep switching my videos to private and public. At the films. like, I don't like his jokes. Or <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. So I don't, I don't know what if she's seen anything or not. And she hasn't told me she has. But I don't, I'm not trying to invite her out. But if she shows up, it's like, I'm sorry, mom. I got to do what I, I got to be me. You got to yeah. be you. You know, yeah. that's fair. And it's at the, and at the end of the day, it's like if you hadn't done these things, I wouldn't be talking about it on stage. Thank you. You know. So for real, George, because that is an interesting thing. I feel like what I'm finding out from a lot of my friends who are doing a lot of trauma therapy, especially those of us, we protect the wrong people. I protected my mother all those years. I protected her when really, why was I doing that? Yeah. I wouldn't. Why am I protecting her from knowing her authentic self? Like. No, man, you, <laughs> these things happened. Yeah. I have a right to talk about it and process it. And this is a way of you dealing with it yeah. to, and reclaiming the power. Yeah. So one time your mom got, uh, ran away from the police and took you. Yeah. Like, uh, I remember, I don't know if they were the same occasion, but I remember one time she took me to a school with her. I guess she used me to get into the school and she started going through classrooms and going through like teachers purses and stuff. And we had a neighbor, uh, Johnny, who was in the car waiting. And I remember she got caught and she like was walking out with me. And I remember the cop like pulling the gun out. I was like telling her to stop. And then we got in the car and we were like hauling ass away. I remember I was crying and stuff like that, but Holy crap. Yeah. You're in the, you got, she ran Yeah, with you Yeah, with a cop holding the gun. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you remember feeling fear? Or- yeah, I, mean, I was just crying. I mean, I was a kid. I was less than 10. Wow. So I remember crying. And, uh, now I think about it, I'm like, oh, man, come on. Uh, you were in a getaway car. Like, you should have been cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, George. Yeah, get us together. Right? Yeah, we're in the getaway yeah. car. I love that. <laughs> Once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem so well-adjusted for all this stuff you've gone through, and I got to think that humor has been a part of that. Yeah, that Humor's helped you. But do you feel that? or do? Yeah, you, well, I, 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 I think the biggest thing that helped me is moving away. Yeah. Because uh, I, I realized, like, whenever all my family was together, we would always be fighting. And then I just think, I don't know, like I, even my roommate commented, like my buddy Byron, who I lived with in Corpus and we moved to Vegas and out here together, I just held on, I was just angry a lot and I had a lot of anger issues. And I remember one time we were, what we were leaving a Walmart and I had like a case of soda and it broke on me and I dropped it. I was like, oh man, I picked it up. And he's like, man, you changed. Why? He's like, a year ago, you would have lost your shit at that <laughs> instead of yelling and cussing. I'm just like, I guess I just don't care anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. So there's a part of you that's resourced. You're not always in that state of agitation, yeah. like, ah, yeah. because it's scary if you're hanging around and you're feeling that close to somebody who is using and it, it loops you into their world, right? Yeah. You, now you're not as looped in. Yeah. And, and I'm seeing that change with my brother now, too, now that he moved away. Uh, he's less angry. He's more happy, you know, and he keeps telling me, he's like, oh, this is the happiest I've been in years. Oh, you know? that's great. So that makes me happy. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you have your brother nearby. Yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. get together sometimes? Yeah. We work together. I got him. I got, I moved, I moved him out here so he could work and get money. Cause he was working a fast food job in Texas. I was like, hey, come to me. I'll make 20 something bucks an hour. He's like, really? Yeah. So he moved out here. Then his girlfriend moved out here a few months ago. Uh, and so they got their apartment now, but now I'm just trying, once I go Monday through Friday, many of them are going to have more time to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> have some family time. Yeah, Keep yeah, some yeah. of your family tradition alive yeah. between the two of you. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 We, we, we go to the movies every now and then. I'm like, let's go to the movies. All right, cool. <laughs> Does he love your comedy? Uh, he's seen me like once when I first moved out here. So back in 2018, when I first moved out here, I did an open mic and he was on vacation with his girlfriend and her family. And he came to the open mic and hang out. Uh, and I won best set of the night and I got like 25 bucks or something like that. And so that was really cool, but he hasn't seen me do like a real show. So I'm, I'm waiting for like a weekend when I go to like, get like a rotating tap or something. It was yeah. like a good audience. So, so I want to invite him out. Yeah. Shout out you to know? Steve. Shout out. And I got to get Steve Vanderplug on the podcast. <laughs> shout out to Steve Vanderplug and rotating tap. Yeah. Seriously. Check them out on Instagram. They have, they do they have, he yeah. puts together great shows at these breweries all yeah. over town and the audiences, I mean, they are He's been doing this a long time, so yeah. the audiences are trained. I mean, yeah. trained is the yeah, wrong yeah, word, yeah. but you know what I they're mean. Used to, yeah, yeah. I've, it's I've, some, I've never had a bad audience at Rosetting Tap. Yeah, they're always great. Yeah, they are. They are. They're fun. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for like a weekend show for something like so I can bring him out. Yeah. Because he he works at four, he, his shift is four in the morning, oh. so it's like like I would like for him to come tonight at New Faces, but it'd just be too late for him. Yeah. So tonight. You're going to knock them dead. Uh, I hope so. I'm just trying to get a good tape. That's all. <laughs> okay. You know, that's a good attitude. Yeah. That's the best way to go into something. Uh, when I, and not to brag, but I'm going to brag. So, you know, in my late fifties, I won a couple of major festivals and really I wasn't going there to win them. I was going to practice doing four and a half to five minute sets, yeah. doing sets under pressure. I wanted to do late night talk show. I still did. Yeah. I never did it. And it's now... I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, But definitely. the point is, I just thought, let me just practice, see if I can do a tight four and a half. Yeah. Because I'm doing sloppy 45-minute sets as a headliner. Yeah. And it's, I get lazy and sloppy and just tell my meandering stories like I am now. <laughs> and 
tighten it up, Nance. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But anyway, that is a great attitude. Get a great get a great tape. Yeah. Throw your energy to the back wall. Do yeah. what you did up in Rapid City. Yeah, I'm just excited. And then and then the gravy would be to advance to the next round yeah. and not okay, I like yeah. it. I like I was like I got a new pair of boots that I'm showcasing tonight. Oh well. yeah. check out hey, yeah. Well yeah. this won't air till after the <laughs> event, but we'll give a follow up. Yeah. Will you message me and let me know how it goes tonight? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of late night, yeah. I I, I want my goal was to host a late night show, but late oh. nights were just kinda going out the window now. TV's like well, now you can create your own platform. Yeah. That's the cool thing with uh, social YouTube media. And, yeah, uh, I I had an idea. I, I wanted to rent like a cargo van and put like a small desk and like two chairs in the back and do like driving around a uh, late night show. I just like interview yeah. people and I was like in the back and I have my buddy like in the front who's like a DJ just do the music for the band, <laughs> you know, and just do like 10 minute episodes. Just <laughs> oh, I like it. I think something like uh, like the van we had in Rapid City where we went driving around oh, just with no so seats, you know, yeah, yeah, and just have like a tiny desk with a chair and have I love for this a idea. Yeah, okay, I, let's I, manifest yeah, it. Yeah, I've been wanting to do that for years. Oh, <laughs> well, just start doing it. Yeah. I think you can do it and find somebody. Doesn't somebody have a van you can I know, use? right? So somebody has to. Yeah, I was thinking about just going to U-Haul and renting a, a cargo van. <laughs> you could. You could just get the get the, get the the U-Haul. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lesbian joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to visualize that happening for you. Anything you want to share? Anything about your tattoos? What's going oh. on with the music? Do you play music? Oh, I, I did. I thought I was going to be a musician for the longest time. I was, yeah. really, I was really into, like, pop punk and you, metal. And you I got thought, the yeah. treble clef in the bass. Yeah, I thought I was going to be in a metal band. Uh, and then I was not good enough on guitar, and nor could I find people to play. Uh, I was in a short-lived pop punk band with my buddy, but I only ever practiced with them. We never got to do gigs because I lived, like, two and a half hours away and had no car. Do you, st- I, do you still play music? Yeah, I've been trying to. I've been get, I got really into country and folk music in the last, like, four or five years. I so I've been practicing guitar a little more. I want to take vocal lessons because I am a god-awful singer. Uh, like when I, like sometimes I'll think I'm doing good and I turn the music down. I'm just like, Oh man, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's humbling. Yeah. It's very humbling. So that's like, if, yeah. So my, my next goal is to afford vocal lessons so I could do, I want, I want, I really want to write music. Okay. Next. All right. I love, I love hearing about your dreams and passion and putting it out. I'm big into manifesting. Yeah. You know, like really, yeah, yeah. like I, if you can see it, start seeing the cargo van manifest the cargo van. I'm very big on this. Yeah. And again, I like to talk about post-traumatic growth just because this podcast, I know we bring up trauma, Mm -hmm. but the point of it is to uplift, let people know they're not alone. And that if you let yourself process it, sometimes you'll find out you have these gifts. Like you have this, you probably do have a gift for music. You have a gift for comedy. There are these gifts that come from enduring trauma. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird to say I'm grateful for my trauma, but <laughs> yeah, I, no, I can kind of say that at some time. Yeah, because I, I I always think like, oh, what what life would have been like if my dad was an alcoholic, my mom wasn't a drug addict. I'm like, I don't know. I probably would have been doing something else. I would have been a different person. But I, I like who I am now, and I like what I'm doing now. We don't wish our past away because we love ourselves the way we are. Yeah. And I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't change. Right. Like if I could get a time machine, the only thing I would do is win the lottery. That's about it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I wouldn't change anything in the past. That sounds very selfish. Like, I'm not going to stop 9 11. I'm not, but like, <laughs> at the same time, it's like, we can, we have to let the history, like, my own personal gain from a time machine would just get money so I could not struggle. I And, you know, when Zach Moss was on the program, we talked about the times where he went through where he, he, he would just get enough money to pay the rent. Yeah. And then we decided, I don't know, in that conversation, hey, it isn't fun to be scared about money. 
but at the same time, it lights a fire in your belly. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. What? Because I, I, you have you ever seen those documentaries about people that win the lottery and it yeah, kind of ruins their yeah. life. I, I, I know so much about it, but I like, I know exactly what I would do. What would you do? Okay. Well, I'd, I'd go to uh, a lawyer. I'd get a trust set up so you could collect it without putting your name in public. And then I get, uh, and then I'd set up some trust for family members. Uh, like my buddies, like I have some best friends. I'd get all their kids set up for like college and Aww. stuff like that. And then I'd buy, uh, I'd pay off pe- people that I know their debt, you know what I mean? Uh, they get all, and then I'd buy probably land in Texas and just, I don't know if I'd keep doing drunk comedy or not. Cause I'd be like, I made it. Like I got, my, like, <laughs> I, I would just buy land in Texas and just seclude myself, not seclude myself, but just kind of like live the lifestyle that I want. Just, just relax, yeah. play music. Yeah. I'd buy a bunch of vintage cars. Oh really? Yeah. Like old trucks, old square body trucks, seventies and eighties. Oh, uh, nice. Muscle cars, just, just cool stuff. And that's all, and that's all it's splurge now. I wouldn't be trying to do, that's why I'm glad I, I never became an addict because like I, I know when to stop and I never, I've tried certain drugs, but I'm like, they're not for me. You know, so I'm just like, I'm glad I have no interest in doing any of that. Yeah. Because the most, I I think the, the, the biggest thing I'd probably spend money on is experiences for like me and people that I know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, hey, you want to go travel? Let's go see Japan. Let's go see Europe. (laughs) You know, let's go do this. But then, I, other than that, I would just keep all my money saved. I think you can do all of this. I, I actually so. do. I think you can yeah. manifest all of it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to see it happen in George. I really appreciate you coming yeah. and talking to yeah. me, sharing your time. story. Yeah. I haven't talked about this in depth for a while. So I'm always, just, I'm very like quiet too. So. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming out of your shell a little bit, (laughs) sharing with old ants. Well, let's let's do it again sometime. Keep me posted on how things are going and when you manifest all this stuff, because it's going to happen. Yeah, of course. (laughs) All right, thanks, man. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'd like to thank my guest George Delgado. By the way, George did advance in the New Faces contest at Comedy Works. He's in round two, and I think round two is going to be in October. But check ComedyWorks.com for the New Faces contest. A lot of great rising comics there. Oh, follow George Delgado on Instagram at George Delgado Comedy. George, D-E-L-G-A-D-O, Comedy on Instagram. And thanks for tuning in to Tromedy, a new episode every Tuesday. I'd like to thank my son, Nathaniel Norton, for helping with this music. And thank you, the listeners and the peer-to-peer sharing. I learned something every episode. Thank you so much. And thank you for the messages that you've been sending me, that you're interested in being interviewed and sharing. And I'm looking forward to it. And remember, no matter what, keep laughing.